Hello, I'm Dwayne McCrary. I'm the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible, and today we're being joined once again by Mike Livingston. Mike, thank you for being with us today. Glad to be here. Thanks. Uh, we're looking at Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. Uh, if you were to go back and look at session 3, which is our study of Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, you're going to see some of the same kind of similarities in that there's before and after. There were things we were, which in, in chapter 4, it's going to be the old life and now the new life. Chapter 4, verses 17 through 19, Paul reminded his leaders of their lives before believing in Christ. Uh, they were searching for fulfillment through sin, but they were unable to be satisfied because sin just breeds a desire for more sin. He then talks about the change that takes place uh, as a result of finding Christ. That's in uh, verses 20 through 24. He compared salvation to taking off an old dirty garment and replacing it with a new, clean garment. Uh, we're reminded that people are given a fresh start through faith in Christ so we can live without guilt. Then he looks at, in verses 25 through 32, this new life. He identified characteristics of a new life that, that should be lived once we are a believer. We are to live Christ-like lives as a result of salvation, and he points to that in that passage. Really, we're looking at sanctification and regeneration in this particular session. One of the things I'd point out as we start to have this conversation, Mike, is in the group plans and the focus attention idea, we have this, this idea about changing things in the room. We could either change something before they come, or we could change something while the, the group is in the room and, and see if they can figure out what we changed, just as a way to get them to start thinking about this idea of something old, something new, and that we are to walk differently. Uh, one of the things that jumps out when I read this passage is that we're told uh, to be angry and yet not sin. How, how can we do that? Well, uh, you know, the Bible talks about God getting angry. Uh, Jesus got angry when he cleansed the temple, for example. So um, <clears throat> it's possible, possible to be angry and, and not sin. The difference between God's anger and, and our anger is that God's anger is never selfish, and oftentimes ours is selfishly motivated. Uh, so sometimes then uh, we can be legitimate, legitimately angry. You know, there's such a thing as righteous anger, being angry at what God's, uh, what makes God angry. But looking at what Paul is saying here, and the emphasis of, of these verses, it's not so much on righteous anger, but on sinful anger. How, how can we avoid sinning in our anger? So, you know, first of all, obviously, like we've said, it's, it's not a sin to be angry necessarily, but anger can cause us to sin. Now, how do we prevent that from happening? How do we prevent anger from causing sin? You know, look at what Paul says there in verse 26. Uh, Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't stay angry. Deal with your anger. Deal with it immediately. Deal with the issue immediately. I read about a tribe in Polynesia where it's customary for a person to save reminders of his hatred of others or, or to save reminders of, of wrongs that were committed against him. And he might even hang those reminders from the, the, the roof of, of, his, of his hut to keep the memory alive. And, you know, we, so, so vengeance is always in the background. Yeah, yeah. You you want to keep that memory of that you know wrong alive, and, and we do the same thing. Not literally, you know, hanging them from our our, our rafters or our roofs, but we we keep it alive, don't we, in, in our minds? And and that's just the opposite of what Paul said in First Corinthians thirteen that love 
doesn't keep any record of wrongs. It doesn't store up the, the memory of wrongs it has received. So instead of clinging to those past hurts, love puts them away. And what happens when we cling to it, cling to those things, it, we, we internalize those, uh, that, and, and that grows into resentment, and it destroys relationships. And even as the Paul said in verse 27, then that gives the devil an opportunity or a foothold to, to do his work. So the big thing here is trying to close the door yeah. to, to Satan. Right. Now, he lists all kinds of ac actions in this passage of things we're supposed to be doing after salvation. What if we don't want or feel like doing those things? Um, if, if there's something wrong with, with our want to, if we don't want to do those things, then there's obviously a disconnect somewhere. Um, uh, you know, the gospel changes us, as you alluded to, you know, in, in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, if, if there's any doubt to the fact the gospel fundamentally changes us, you know, let's go back and look at that first section of Ephesians in chapters 1 through 3, where Paul emphasized how the gospel fundamentally changes who we are. We were spiritually dead, but Jesus brought us to life. We have a new identity in Christ. Yes, in and the gospel doesn't just... The gospel doesn't just change our eternal address or destiny. It changes us from the inside out, including our desires, our wills, and our want-tos. Now, having said that, living out the Christian life is a process. I mean, we, we have this new nature in Christ, but we don't automatically want all the right things and do all the right things and express all the right attitudes when we become new people in Christ. So what Paul is describing in chapter 4 of Ephesians is sanctification, which is a process that begins at a point in time. It begins at conversion. It's a process by which the Holy Spirit changes us, and it continues through our lives as believers. And that includes, that change includes God's aligning our hearts and our desires with His heart and His desires. So the, the taking off, the renewing, the putting on in verse 22 through 24 um, are the, that's more progressive, or is that a simultaneous action? Or well, how do yeah. we understand that? Yeah, that, that's, a, you know, that's a good question. In, in verses 22 to 24 of Ephesians 4, you've got those three exhortations, which are expressed as infinitives, to take off, verse 22, to be renewed, verse 23, to put on, verse 24. Now, to take off and to put on, both of those... Um, are in a, a, a Greek aorist tense, which, which simply means that it signifies a, a once-and-for-all decisive action as opposed to a continual action. Be renewed, in verse 23, is a different tense, and it expresses more of a, a continuous action. Now, now, there are different ways we can look at that, different, different views concerning all of this. Um, that the, the taking off and the putting on, some would say, that, that happens at the moment of conversion that there is a definite, decisive break. The, the verse 4 of chapter 2, but God. Yeah. So when you look at, you know, just look at these verses in Ephesians 4.22, you know, what is it that's taken off? Paul says it's your former way of life. It's the old self. It's everything we were before we came to Christ. What is it that's put on? He says it's the new self, the one that's created, uh, created. God, God is the one who creates. He's the, it's the self that was created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. So the new self we put on is God's creation, is the new creation that we are in Christ. So some commentators will, will believe that take off, put on, refers to what happened at conversion. But at the same time, these are exhortations, like commands. 
to take off, to put on. So the implication then would be to live out in our daily choices and and actions the significance of what happened at conversion. Um, But even after conversion, we we will still struggle with that old sinful nature, the old sinful tendency. So we, we have to continually choose not to put on or to wear those old garments that we've taken off. And that accounts for the present tense, be renewed in verse 23, which is a continuous thing. So there's this decisive change that happens at conversion, but then there's a continuous renewal, which is the work of the Holy Spirit, which is the process of sanctification. So it's both. We have, we, we have new clothes we put on at conversion, Yes. but each day we have to wake up and decide that we're going to put those clothes back on for that day. Yeah. Verse 18, the, the start of this section, early in this, this particular passage, we're told that our hearts were calloused, that they are... Um, they're darkened. Um, with that in mind, how do we ever understand our need for God? Well, you know, look at what just look at what Paul is saying in uh, these uh, verses four, seventeen to nineteen. He's, he's saying to the Ephesians, no longer live like the non-believers live, and um, he's he's describing the unbelievers as being darkened in their understanding and having hardened hearts, and they're calloused. And his description of unbelievers takes me back to what he said in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, how we were dead in our sin, God made us alive, and the solution to that problem of spiritual deadness is what God has done for us in Christ. And the same is true here. The good news of the gospel is that God has taken the initiative to reveal himself, and in love he draws us to himself. So it's the work of God through His Spirit to illumine darkened minds and to soften uh, hardened hearts. And He does this through, through the gospel, through, through the preaching of the gospel. I'll just just uh, quickly reference you know, what, he, what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. He says, if our gospel is veiled, and he's referring there to hardened hearts, then it's veiled to those who are perishing because the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And he goes on to say, we're, we're not proclaiming ourselves, we're proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. In other words, we're proclaiming the gospel. And then he goes on in verse six to say, but God who said that let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus. So Paul is saying there, it's by the, by the gospel, by the proclamation of the gospel that God breaks through that, uh, the, the callousness and, and the hardness and, and spiritual darkness. Because of God, because He made us alive, as Paul said in chapter 2, verse 4, made us alive in Him, then we are to live differently. Paul, the first half of Ephesians is laying out a theological discussion, and in the second half he's talking about practical things. So in this lesson you see, if you compare what you see in chapter 4 to chapter 2, you see the theological background of we've been made alive, and now in chapter 4 you see how that plays out in practical ways where we have to take off our old clothes, our old self, and put on our new self. It happens at conversion, but it's also a daily decision we make to live our life in that way so that we live in a way that pleases Him and that represents Him well in this world. 
Mike, thank you for being with us today. Anything else thank you would you. share about this particular passage? No, just that, you know, the, the, the good news in Ephesians is the good news of the gospel that God can transform anyone by his grace, even the, mo the most calloused heart can be changed and transformed by the gospel of Christ. Mike, thank you once again for being with us. Let me just remind you, our listeners, that you can, you can read some more insights, some, some uh, key ideas that may help you put this lesson together every week. You can go to blog.lifeway.com forward slash explore the Bible, and you're going to find a post that's usually there on Monday for that lesson that's coming up that next Sunday that will help you at least get some, some nuggets of putting that, that lesson into perspective for yourself. Thank you much, and God bless.